0: Well, hey everyone welcome to episode 227 of f-stop collaborate and listen with your host matt payne this week on the podcast i was joined by Bryn schmidt alex noriega and alex nail to talk about the most controversial and divisive topic in the landscape and nature photography community at the present moment nfts in today's episode You can expect to hear four adults have a very respectful and cordial conversation and debate about NFTs, which I believe has been sorely lacking from social media as of late. You can also expect to learn quite a bit and gain some perspectives, no matter what side of the argument you find yourself on, or perhaps gain a better understanding if you don't find yourself on one side at all. We discuss what are NFTs, and how do they and their marketplaces work, the various positives and negatives of NFTs, the newly formed community of NFT photographers over on Twitter, the carbon and environmental impacts of NFTs, and how and why we can and should openly discuss those, and why certain NFTs are selling and others are not, and a lot more. Well, before we dive in, I wanted to personally thank our newest patrons, Jay Bigler and Garrett Hess. Jay and Garrett picked a level of support over on Patreon that works within their budgets while supporting this podcast and me. Thank you so much, Jay and Garrett. For as little as $5 a month, you too can support the show and continue to help provide new and exciting content like today's episode. Thank you for your support. Let's get to the show. All right. Well, Alex Nail, Alex Noriega, and Bryn Schmidt, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today for a special panel discussion on uh, what has become quite a controversial subject in the landscape and nature photography world, which is NFTs. And I've been trying to do a podcast on NFTs for, gosh, probably since February now, ever since they kind of emerged as this kind of hot topic. And I'm actually kind of glad that we were able to wait because I think it's gotten even more interesting in terms of the... The talkability of the subject. I think there's more understanding of what they are and there's some more controversy. So that's always fun. So I'll just kick us off with the very first question. Uh, But before I do that, real quick, just uh, if you could go around and introduce yourselves um, and I'll start with you, uh, Alex Nail.
1: Uh, hi, I'm Alex Nell. I'm a mountain photographer. I'm actually spending far too much time with Matt at the moment on the uh, Natural Landscape Photography Awards. So uh, Matt and I have been chatting a lot recently, which I guess is part of the reason that I'm included in this uh, discussion. But yeah, I'm certainly interested in, in NFTs and uh, yeah, looking forward to this discussion.
0: Thank you. Alex Noriega?
1: I'm uh, Alex
2: Noriega. I'm
1: a nature photographer in the
2: US and uh I'm also working on the Natural Landscape Photography Awards as a judge, and uh, I think Matt's uh, sick of me already. We just, we just had beers last week, and you mentioned that he uh, sees my face too much. Oh, wait, that was the other Alex.
0: Right. I have too much Alex in
1: my life, Yeah, that's possible.
2: <laughs> it's really annoying that you're also named Alex. Could you just change that? I don't know. Change it. Ow.
0: And you're Al. both Alex N.
2: That's, that's Al. even worse. The British guy goes Al. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. And then we have Bryn Schmidt.
3: Hi, everyone. I'm Bryn. I'm a landscape and wildlife photographer in Colorado, and I am not part of this group for this contest, but <laughs> I uh, serve with Matt Payne um, on staff with Nature First, and so we've gotten to know each other a bit through that. Awesome. so excited for this panel today. It should be interesting.
0: It should be very interesting. If it's not, we didn't do a very good job. So, um, all right. So, in twenty seconds or less, tell us what the hell an NFT is.
3: Okay, I'm probably I'm I'm not super technical, so give me a little grace on this one. But an NFT is a non fungible token. And it's something that lives on the Ethereum blockchain. And all of this sounds like a foreign language if you haven't looked into this at all. So it's it's the the controversy revolves a bunch around the mining of crypto and the blockchain and how things live on the blockchain. So those of us who have done some photography as NFTs, where this you know then gets put on the blockchain forever. Um, there's an issue of carbon emissions and how that's working. And so um, I don't really know how to explain it more
2: basically in 20 seconds.
0: I think that was pretty decent. What would you add, Alex Noriega?
2: Um, So an NFT non-fungible just means unique, basically. Can't be replicated, I believe. So um, you could think of it like a Bitcoin, but instead of being interchangeable, they're unique. And instead of being a coin, it's like a piece of art. Like if you were to own a Picasso or, or some work of art, that has a value. So instead of a Bitcoin, which everyone's Bitcoins are interchangeable, you'd have a specific photograph on there represented. And um, you could think of it like a Babe Ruth uh, baseball card. TJ told me this analogy. Like imagine if you, if you mint an NFT that is only one, an edition of one, it'd be like if you had the only Babe Ruth baseball card in the world, but represented digitally.
1: What would you add to that, Alex, nail? and Yeah, so I think more specifically what you're buying is more of a certification of the original, not the original itself. And you, that's certified through uh, web, web link essentially. Um, so that, that's the link there. You're not earning owning something physical. You don't necessarily have ownership of copyright and the rights to reproduction or anything like that. You don't own the photograph. You just own the uniqueness of that photograph.
0: Oh, go ahead, Brent.
3: Sorry, I was just going to say, and like your ownership of that NFT is like implanted on the blockchain. So it's forever assigned to you. And it's, you know, it it is a way that like if you put a a photograph out there until you sell it, you know, you own it. It is yours. When you sell it, it transfers, but you are forever the creator of it. And there's a record of all of that.
2: Yeah, a public record that as long as ethereum is running everyone can go back and look at everything that was ever sold or traded so uh, that's that's where the environmental cost comes in the computers have to do all this calculation to keep it secure so none of that can be forged so like basically all the computers or at least more than half of them around the world running this have to agree that this happened so that involves like generate all this energy usage
1: so assuming that all these links uh, stay traceable and so on. You've basically got the best possible way of of certifying an original. Um, you know that's that's existed basically uh, exactly. because it's so widely accessible and and supported.
0: Cool. Well, I think we've covered that. And <laughs> 20 if people seconds, want yeah. to learn more, they can. Only, yeah, tw- twenty minutes. <laughs> no. Oh. All right. Well, let's uh, let's shift over to talking about the uh, the positives um, about NFTs in this space of landscape and nature photography or, or art in general. What do you think photographers and or the medium of photography have to gain through this new technology and movement? And I'm going to start with Alex Noriega.
2: Um, I think the biggest thing about it is that it Democratizes art selling. You don't have to go through a gallery to gain access to high-end collectors. It basically allows people to sell their work directly without a middleman. And um, I know that's possible now, like with prints, but it's really difficult to be seen. And there's there are these communities around NFTs that make it possible to uh, to share your work. So I think just kind of putting the artist directly in touch with the collector is a big positive
0: and before i move on I, I one thing i would add is i mean kind of stating the obvious here but i think it's what's driving a lot of the uh controversy is that i think a lot of people are seeing it as a an incredible opportunity to to make a ton of money in a short amount of time to be i mean just to be very yeah. honest Definitely.
2: the market's really new and there aren't a lot of people in it and uh i, I think that yeah prices are all over the place and we don't really know what they're worth, but most people are minting as single editions, saying that's the only, the only one of that photograph that will ever be on. So that, that's kind of the justification for the high prices at the moment.
0: Right. Uh, what What would you add to that, Bryn, in terms of of the positives in in the NFT space?
3: One for me is that it's just been incredibly fun. Like I've become really close with a lot of nature photographers and created a really tight community. And that's that's been incredibly enjoyable to me. I've been a little burned out on social media. Um, I've really enjoyed having like a real community of people that I connect with often. And so that's been incredible. I also think a benefit is that... Um, it, it kind of started as a level playing field because a lot of these collectors don't know certain names and certain photographers. And so honestly, someone like me, who's not well known in the community, has been able to get in and have collectors really enjoy my work and you know collect some of my pieces. And, and I don't have that um, in the real world as much. Um, it also So it just created kind of more of a level playing field to start. I, I think we're starting to see that change. And I think the, you know, this amazing NFT community that's been so supportive, you know, how long is that going to last? I don't know. I think that, you know, I think we've, as those of us that kind of started in this together, like feel this really tight bond. But I don't think as it grows that that's necessarily going to stay. But for me, it's been a huge positive.
0: I think that's... Totally fair. And I like what you said that I think it speaks back to what Alex was saying about democratization of selling your art, because to your point, a lot of people who probably are not known in the photography world are, are getting, um, getting their work seen and purchased. So that's, that's interesting. What would you add, Alex, Noriega or Nail?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to say I do, I do think NFTs are, are pretty great in, in certain ways, and one of them is just the ability to sell digital work as, a, as an asset. I mean, that essentially doesn't exist anymore. I mean, no buyer is ever going to come to you and say, oh, can I buy the digital original? Uh, a commercial entity might. Um, I've, I've sold some of the full rights to my images before, but that's fairly unusual. Um, and uh, yeah, to, to have that ability to sell digitally in itself is unique and, and valuable to people who work digitally, which most of us do.
0: Yeah, one thing I would add to that, Alex, is um, I've, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter say, you know, well, NFTs have no value and all of those kinds of things because it's digital and it's, it's like, you know, I, I used to play uh, massively multiplayer online role-playing games. I know Alex and I talk about World of Warcraft in the past, but I mean, I, I know lots of people who play video games who spend real cold hard cash for in-game purchases um, and things like that. So this isn't necessarily new. Um, it's just new that it's being applied to, to art. What would you say, Alex?
2: Oh, that's just exactly what I was going to say. That like people who spend most of their time on the internet, like I've spent a fair amount of time playing games. If say you're playing a game all day, every day, and there's something you can buy to make your character look cooler, both to you and to everyone else, like you're essentially buying art for your character, right? And there are people that will pay real money because that's what's important to them. They kind of live in this digital space. And so this is you're right it's just kind of extending to the art world now but um we've already kind of been there in that like how many people have bought your prints versus how many people see your photos online like i i have a fairly wide audience if you take into account all platforms and then you know maybe like i i don't want to try to guess but 100 200 print buyers you know like i it's it's And it's insane, the gap there, like so many more people will see your work digitally. So it kind of makes sense. The whole world is going digital. And then there are these um, like 3D galleries that collectors set up where they can put their pieces on the wall. I mean, the the counter argument is that you could just download the JPEG and do that for free. Right. But um, maybe there will be new ways in the future to represent what you actually own digitally.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to say that's one of the curiosities for me because, I mean, logically, the the sense of owning a, a piece of art makes sense, and I understand people like a sense of ownership of of certain things. Um, but for me, the enjoyment in art is displaying it, and I think that's one area where I don't quite understand where NFTs uh, fit in. I, I understand that some sellers, of course, will sell prints to, to the buyers so they can then physically display it on their wall. Um, but I find it hard to imagine... Um, you know, somebody's online collection being visited by many people. I mean, maybe that is and will happen. I don't know. Uh, Bryn?
3: I was just going to add that, um, and, and one of the things, not everyone in this space, but I think those who have sold at like, you know, one ETH or higher, you often do gift your collector with a print. And so like there is one collector who has my work who has I don't know, 100 plus prints now that he plans on doing something with, like he's getting metal acrylic prints, you know, for each piece that he owns online. He has established an online gallery that's really cool. But if you don't have a wallet, and you're not connected to the space, you can't see it anyways, you know, but in the space, it is really fun. And it's cool to go explore that and everything. You know, I do see some people trying to like, definitely sell a photo along with the NFT. But from What I have seen and done is more of a a gift to the collector when they've purchased your NFT, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Noriega.
2: Yeah, adding a print to it, like I don't think it should be written in stone, like written in the actual description that you do that, because then when you resell that, or when they resell that NFT to someone, I mean, do you just have to ship out prints for the rest of your life every time it gets resold? It should be a gift basis. But what I was going to say is, in terms of displaying the art, like Alex was saying. Um, I don't know if this is possible because everything on the blockchain is public. But if you could lock the full size file behind something that only the current owner had access to, and then say they had like a 60 inch TV, like a display on their wall, and when they own the NFT, then they have access to your 45 megapixel full file that can display in like a real print on the wall. Like I see that as a potential future usage if, if there's a way technically to lock that full file behind uh, the ownership and i I think there is i think there's something like that but i'm i'm new to it so
3: yeah i think that's happening i think that is the goal of some of these collectors is to be able to display them on you know these monitors that now can display these high images as art which same thing with that
2: (laughs) the way these things are in the store (laughs) anyway go on
0: it reminds me of that um that character from the Avengers who has one of the infinity stones. And he also has like the, the first dog that went to space and he like just collects. I don't know. Does that, do you guys remember that part of Avengers at all?
2: Yeah. Not, I just watched
1: all the Marvel movies.
3: <laughs> I don't remember the dog going into space. <laughs> well,
0: I don't know. Maybe it was a monkey. I don't know. But <laughs> this guy has like this huge collection of all these strange things. It just Never reminds me of, of that one the
2: was an infinity stone. Yeah. Except they oh, could have... Yeah. I know your photograph,
0: right? So your photograph could be like an infinity stone. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's shift over to the next question. So I've, uh, I've noticed a huge migration of photographers to Twitter, which I think Alex, you recently made a post on Twitter about how that was kind of exciting to you with a caveat. Why do you believe that so many photographers have migrated to Twitter since NFTs have become popular?
1: Well, I mean, the NFT marketplaces. I mean, firstly, there's quite a few, um, and I think those communities are quite supportive of each other, regardless of the actual specific website that they're they're selling through. Um, So there needs to be a platform where they can connect to a wide range of people, and it seems that uh, Twitter has turned into the uh, the place to to do that. So, I mean, that's very apparent to people who have used Twitter regularly. I I personally really like Twitter because it allows me to curate my contacts effectively and and what I see. Uh, Whereas on Facebook, you know, it's more my friends and different people talking about life and whatever. Whereas on Twitter, I can tune into specific topics and uh, I I like the short form communication. Um, But I've seen this influx of people spamming ads essentially and uh not not only are they they doing that they're high-fiving each other and encouraging positivity and all this kind of thing and and very much um uh just glossing over all of the different complex aspects of nfts and and there are many i mean i i know we're going to get onto the environmental side but there's there's lots of other issues around uh both how how they work how they owe how they're owned how long they'll Last, who's buying them? What are they buying? Why are they buying them? So there's there's lots and lots of questions that I think are entirely legitimate. But these communities that are uh, on Twitter are focused on the art and selling the art, and it would be detrimental to those communities to raise these issues. Uh, so they're they're ignored, and and to me that that looks like a very unhealthy way of um, of communicating the idea of NFTs. Um, and I, I'd like to see that change. I'd like to see that uh, conversation become a bit more um, nuanced. Yeah, I,
0: I share that with you. I, I was in a very um, pragmatic conversation today with Ben Horn about this on his Twitter feed because I feel like you know he's kind of on the opposite end of that, and he posted a GIF of a truck blowing out sulfur out of his exhaust, saying, "Here I am, a am a photographer minting NFTs." And while like on the surface, that's a fair thing to do, it's also not pulling in all of the positives of NFTs and all the things that Bryn had talked about earlier. And also, for some people, it's a life-changing amount of money that they're able to get from NFTs, which they previously haven't had access to. Um, and to your point, Alex, I often wonder, like, would people feel the same way about this community If we were constantly talking about promoting and selling each other's prints, like physical prints, or if people would have come to this space and just pushed selling prints in the same way, um, would they have the same success? I think those are interesting questions to ask. I don't know the answer to those questions, but it all does look odd if you've been on Twitter for a long time and all of a sudden you see all these new people high-fiving each other about NFTs. Um,
1: Very quickly, I mean, the issue is not advertising. It's the sheer amount of advertising and the fact that some of the other topics aren't being discussed. If there's a problem with printing, I would want people to discuss problems with printing.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Bryn.
3: Okay, well, I'd love to add to that because, Alex, I'm one of those people you're talking about. (laughs) So I literally joined Twitter in May and um, I can't believe how excited I am by the community, like I said, but I a couple things. One... I will. I love retwe- I love the just the retweeting aspect, right? That I can see anyone's photo that I love and retweet it and say I am in love with this photo. And I and I try to do that a lot, mixed in with sharing a lot of my friends and people I want to support in the NFT space. Um, it's so new to me. I think I've gotten just caught up in like really just enjoying it and enjoying a community again, because to me it feels like what Instagram was like six years ago when people were friends and. And cared more but you know before all the algorithm and everything but um, to Alex's point I actually have um, no problem I haven't done this Alex so I feel like I I can very much say I'm I'm guilty of not talking about those issues as someone who cares very strongly about those issues I don't actually have an issue with bringing them up I'm happy to like start those conversations now I've been wrestling with all this internally I think I've just been so excited by the space (laughs) that I, I haven't stepped back enough to say like, okay, wait, I do need to be one of those people discussing all these issues, even though I'm in the space. And even if it seems hypocritical, I'm a little confused with it right now. And and I do want to do more research to see, is this really a space I'm okay being in? As of now, to me, it is, but, but that could change and I'm fine with that changing, but I'm also really fine bringing up those discussions and having them. So, you know, if there's a way to have, you know, Threads or engage more, you know, have a space on Twitter where we actually talk about this more. You know, I'm very happy to engage in that. And I don't want to shy away from that part at all because I do really care. And um, I know a lot of people aren't going to probably hear that part right now, but um, I am wrestling with this internally. And, um, you know, I don't want to get off topic because this is the Twitter question, but. Um, When I joined Twitter and started NFTs, and I do offset my NFTs carbon, which I know isn't enough, I'm sure. But I also quit red meat, which I have always eaten red meat. And I felt like that, I know that sounds silly, but I felt like it was a way to offset what I'm doing in this space was to also make another decision that would benefit
1: Yeah, so So, Bryn, for me, that's exactly why these things need to be discussed, because look i i do think that this is not my personal belief is that this isn't the right time to get into nfts because of the carbon side of things that's my personal belief but if there are people who say to me well look these are the things that i'm doing i mean you could well be having a greater net positive impact because you've just gone way overboard with offsets and whatever then who am i to say don't do nfts so there has to be a conversation though for that to happen and and You know, I might see your work and you're saying, oh, check out my latest NFTs. And that's all you're saying. You're not saying I'm doing all this offsetting because actually NFTs are bad for the environment. So then when I do my NFTs, I think, oh, I'll just do what Bryn did because she's not talking about offsetting. And so I think that's, you know, that's the great thing about having this kind of conversation.
0: Um, One thing I was going to add, just Bryn, just to if it makes you feel any better, I've probably flip-flopped. My personal, like where I'm at on NFTs, is like 17 times in the last month. So I totally can appreciate the vulnerability you're sharing about not being sure kind of where you're at because uh, I was initially very against it. And then I got caught up in a little bit of FOMO myself. I minted a few and and then I got a huge backlash from the community over that. And I backed off and I've had lots and lots of conversations with people to try to figure out where I should land. And I'm still... I think I'm more in Alex's camp myself, but um, I think I can totally appreciate what you're saying. What were you going to add, uh, Noriega?
2: Alex suggested talking about it. I know that Bryn mentioned when she launched her collection that 50% was going to some wildlife fund, which is, that's a big chunk of change. And that's, I mean, that's generous. It's half of what you're making. You don't have to give any of it. Um, but i've also seen backlash to the whole idea of offsets like and if you were to do that say launch a collection and say i'm i'm donating 10% which you know could be like $5000 or something um th- there are people who will say you're just greenwashing and that you're doing this for the wrong reasons like it's it seen so cynically if it's even remotely related to nfts i think that it's not really advisable from necessarily advisable from the perspective of like maintaining your reputation to even say that, uh, that, that you're doing all these offsets because it'll just be seen as like rationalization, even if it could encourage other people to make their own donations or change, make lifestyle choices, like not eating red meat or not flying internationally or whatever it is. Um, I just, I feel like it's all seen so cynically, how are you supposed to navigate that publicly unless you just don't say anything about anything ever? I mean,
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Go ahead, Bryn.
3: I was just going to say, I think the idea that, you know, these Twitter spaces have really taken off. Um, And I think, you know, one idea I would have out of this is having, you know, a podcast is limited in time and what we can get through, but we could host a space one evening that runs for two or three hours where we discuss this, you know, where Alex expresses what he's feeling and, you know, and I can share some of what I'm doing and why you you could get into that more in a more discussion level than just posting. Oh, Hey, look, I'm doing this to offset what I'm doing. You know, I I think, I think the discussion part could happen more. And I, you know, having done conservation, you know, conservation rooms, when clubhouse came out um, doing responsible nature photography rooms, I, you know, I'd be more than happy to help co-lead any of that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's so difficult having these conversations online in particular because people love to oversimplify and they love to, um, you know, say, oh, what about this? What about that? And and then call you a hypocrite because you're doing this, that or the other, because ultimately... You know with all climate discussions if we're members of the western world we come from a position of hypocrisy to varying degrees as landscape photographers i'd say that we come from an enormous position of hypocrisy because i mean i don't fly a lot but my carbon footprint from flying i think i calculated was five tons a year okay or 10 bangladeshi years um, you know, and if you start to look at it in those kinds of terms, my flying in itself is very hard to justify. So I'm not coming at this saying that I'm better than anybody else to, uh, producing NFTs. But but that's, that's why these conversations often just get horribly derailed, because it's so easy to pick fault in the people making moral arguments, but also in those that are seemingly being immoral by doing NFTs or whatever it might be.
2: Yeah, I just I don't think that that I don't think that the uh, the judgment is applied equally. I think it's way more so on NFTs right now because partly because they're so new, partly because it does seem like the energy is kind of wasted for no reason because of the way that uh, these networks are designed and. Um, I, I see a lot of misunderstanding about it like people thinking it's a scam like it, it's not a scam like these people know what they're buying they're they're into cryptocurrency you don't get it that's fine um, but but I think that in terms of the carbon offset like we're all too quick to completely demonize anyone. Uh, participating in NFTs without looking at our own behavior. And it is hard to talk about that online because then it just becomes what about like, well, what about you? You fly. I don't fly. So I should be allowed to do NFTs. I mean, like, I feel like I have a pretty low footprint, but if I were to try to justify that online in conjunction with releasing NFTs, I I think it would just devolve really quickly. And yeah, I don't, I don't know how to, I think in a practical sense, um, We should really just look at our overall footprint and like if someone mints a couple nfts but also lives a simple lifestyle like maybe they're not so bad and then they you could argue that they they didn't have to mint the nfts but they also don't have to like ship a print across the world or fly or do any of these other things that we all opt to do in the western world that have impacts so i don't know what the right answer is there but
3: i was just gonna say one thing that maybe is helpful for this conversation too, is that this whole discussion around NFTs has actually um, helped me think much more about my overall carbon footprint. So my, um, my dad takes us to Maui almost every year and it's a whole, you know, my brother's family, my family. And I don't think a like, I literally don't think about that. I probably choose not to think about that because I'm well aware of the environmental costs. And so I look, I'm look. i looking at that stuff now. And, you know, like like I was saying, you know, red meat and looking at offsetting my car, you know, I didn't even know there, I, I'm sorry that if, I'm probably just clueless, but I didn't know there were sites where you could go offset carbon. And I know that's not the answer that you, you can't just offset the carbon, but um, like I'm now offsetting The carbon for like flights and stuff. I didn't know that was a thing you could do. So in some ways, and this is not to justify NFTs, I'm just sharing that it's actually has me thinking on a much more overall um, view of what I'm doing in the world and what's okay and how much I drive to Utah or to the Tetons. Or, you know, or around my home state. Like I'm just considering all those things now. And so I would really agree with Alex um, that we should be looking at the whole overall picture of our carbon footprint. And that is not trying to say NFTs are okay. It's just saying like it, it really has had me thinking about more than just this space, other ways that I need to work on my carbon footprint.
0: The scale of this is something that a lot of people maybe aren't aware of. I mean, I personally wasn't that aware of it until somebody... Um, answered a question I had on Twitter a couple of weeks ago about, you know, how can NFT landscape photographers, you know, mitigate their impacts on the environment. And then this person pointed me to this um, carbon uh, calculator. It's called, it's actually carbon.fyi. You can just put that in your browser and it pulls it up. And then you can put um, any individual photographer's blockchain address. You can find it on foundation. You can drop that in there. You can do it for yourself and you can literally see what their carbon footprint is of their NFT collections, and how many the based on how many they've sold, how many they've written to the blockchain, how many they've listed, all of those things. And just as a point of context, um, I put a very popular NFT photographer's um, information in that particular tool, and it spit out that they were responsible for eight thousand five hundred. Kilograms of CO two emissions, which is the equivalent of twenty one thousand miles of driving your car, or almost a thousand gallons of gasoline. So that's just one person. So that's the the scale of what we're talking about. Um,
1: yeah, and and that's seventeen of the poorest people in the world, who generally have a carbon footprint under half a ton a year. Right. I just wanted to
2: jump just really quick on that carbon. site they have a, a it links to an offset site the the calculator is presented by this offset company and the offset company is really lowballing it i mean i talked to sarah marino about this because i'm not very knowledgeable about it i'm just learning about all this environmental stuff because of nfts honestly and um like it, it estimates anywhere from six to twelve dollars roughly right now for offsetting a ton of carbon emissions and i Sarah pointed out that, like, because this is presented by this offset company that is involved with crypto, they have every um, reason to lowball it and make it seem like, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's very easy to offset, and like, how would how would twelve dollars offset a thousand pounds or kilograms of of carbon emissions? Like, that doesn't even pay for an hour of someone's time. So, like, you have to look at what
1: you're donating because it costs twelve dollars to plant a tree. <laughs> Yeah, but that tree could burn down, and
3: um, no, I was just gonna make a an argument too that um, is worth considering, and I don't really, you know, know a ton about all of this, but this is what I'm looking into. But with minting NFTs, the blockchain exists, so the Ethereum blockchain is not going away if we stop minting NFTs. So the amount of carbon and the energy that's being used for the blockchain. That's not changing. In fact, a lot of companies are considering moving like, um, you know, your mortgage when you when you close on a house, all the paperwork into an NFT because it can then be, you know, sitting on the blockchain permanently forever. And so there is a chance that corporations in the world are going to somewhat move this way. And so I just want to be sure we also, because those are huge numbers and that is a, a, a big issue to consider. And Matt, when you told me that number earlier today, I I was thrown back because that's not what I've seen in my research. And so I was like, "That that is huge. But I don't know, and maybe you do know, but I don't know that that's taking into account the fact that the Ethereum blockchain exists, whether we put photos on it or not. So so how does that play into it, I guess?
2: Uh, I was just going to say that a block is mined, i.e. The, the energy is expended regardless of whether or not your transaction's in it. So it's akin to flying on a jet. In that that jet would take the flight regardless of whether you're, you're on it or not, but you still are increasing the demand by participating, by buying a plane ticket, or by exactly. minting an NFT. And this, all this frenzy is causing the Ethereum network to do a lot more work. So like individually, that's how much energy it took your transaction to happen, but you didn't actually cause all of that by yourself. You just kind of rode the train that expended all of that. Go on, Alex.
1: That was the exact analogy I was going to make, Alex, uh, to okay. to a T. Yeah, the, the, really the lights are bang on. And uh, fur coats is another one. I mean, unfortunately, we we vote with our feet on these things, and and that's why I think this isn't the right time for NFTs. Um, just because, I mean, uh, the. Uh, uh ethereum.com or whatever their official website.org is it you know they they say that this uh proof of stake um that they're transitioning to will be 99.98% more efficient uh in terms of its electricity use and yet we're still opting for the what 100,000 times worse option because what? we want to get in Yes. Um, I mean, basically, and and there's a lot of justification where people are saying, well, it's going to get better. And I'm like, well, just wait until it gets better and then vote with your feet, basically.
2: Yeah. I mean, the way it was designed was just around security, like so that you can't falsify transactions, basically. But they've come up with this other way, the proof of stake that is way more efficient. There are already blockchains that use that, like Tezos, for example, and there are NFTs that run on Tezos and, and they're environmentally... Sound. I mean you're it's basically like emailing or whatever else you do on the internet. And um
1: uh, And the reason Ethereum photographers aren't using that
2: is is that the collectors don't use it. They don't have Tezos fortunes, they have yeah. fortunes. Yeah. Yeah. So go on, Brent. Sorry. But
1: they are
3: working on that. Like I, I would still make the argument that, you know, Ethereum.org, they are trying and they are making it
1: it's so know, yeah. more yeah. energy
3: efficient.
1: It's tough because. Slightly... Oh, I'm sorry, Alex. Go on. Sorry, it's my, my fault. Really. No, <laughs> yeah, we I mean, should, be, what, we should both be scared... raising our hands. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what slightly scares me about about that though is you know people um, are continuing to use it, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it is something that businesses are all too aware of, and if you really want change, you need to motivate that change.
2: But Ethereum isn't run by. A it's not run by a business. It's, it's. Um, I mean, the foundation, the founders, like some of these people are are the people buying NFTs at exorbitant prices, the people who helped develop the protocol. But um, it's kind of, it's very democratic in its nature. Like it's run on the computers all around the world. And then basically, as I understand it, more than half the computers have to take on an update in order for it to propagate. And the way they do that is by forcing it to become so hard to mine so difficult for the computer to figure out the problem to do its work that they have to take the new update. And so they've already forced one out of three of these that will that will push it towards proof of stake. And so that was last December. There's one coming this year, and then the final one next year. And they're basically making incentives. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But they are making incentives to upgrade. Like, you will be able to mine this much more, or the fees will be this much less. Like, it's going to run a lot more efficiently. And, and that's all tied into it, not just switching to proof of stake, but like giving um, benefits to people running the software. And basically, if they don't update, then they won't be on the network anymore. So like it's going there. It's just a matter of when.
0: Well, I think that's a perfect segue for my next question, because I think it's extremely relevant to what we've been talking about. And I've seen these theories around the Internet, but it's also a theory that I personally have. Um, so, my observation is that the bulk majority of NFT buyers are also those with large amounts of Ethereum, and therefore they have the most to gain if more and more people buy into NF- the NFT craze and buy Ethereum to mint their NFTs. Convince me that I'm wrong uh, in saying that the whole system is created to increase the value of Ethereum for those individuals.
3: I can't convince you that you're wrong. I think there is. A good amount of truth to that and i've had this big discussion with my husband and my college son about it about just we we got in this big debate about it and like well isn't the whole point that if they buy nfts and they buy your photography you're going to invest more in ethereum you're going to spend ethereum they're just building ethereum and i believe that's a very fair point so um I, you know honestly i kind of agree with you in a lot of ways on that one
0: yeah i mean i I'll let you go, Alex. But I just wanted to—I to, mean, if you run the simple math, math—if you're somebody who had previously thirty million dollars of Ethereum, and you bought, say, I don't know, a hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of NFTs, which is would be life-changing for most artists. Um, it's a drop in the bucket for you, right? But by mm-hmm. doing that, you probably have that one—that one artist is now convincing hundreds of other people to participate in the blockchain, which is going to, you know, we've seen Ethereum's value rise over and over and over again over the last few months, I think largely because of NFTs. And, you know, if you do the math, their value of Ethereum goes up 20%. They just made six million dollars on their one hundred and fifty thousand dollar investment. So
2: that's that's exactly Alex, where I was going to add. That's where I was going to go. But I I know a specific example of a collector with three hundred million in Ethereum, and he spent one or two million, which is less than one percent. One percent would be three million. So he spent less than one percent of his fortune, and in that time, since like the first big sales started rolling in, it's up twenty five percent. It's from now it's thirty one hundred dollars. It was like. 2300 or something. It's like 30%. So, yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense as a rich collector to buy tons of art. But at the same time, you are like changing these artists' lives at, at times. So, that's a positive. But also, you're drawing in all these people on the craze. And I think that gets to like they have to buy Ethereum to mint things on foundation, right? There is an answer to that. There is OpenSea with lazy minting where it doesn't mint until it sells. So there's no upfront investment that kind of destroys the so-called pyramid scheme um, argument and and there's still like a frenzy over entities but it, it's it's less of a risk then go on alex
1: yeah i mean I, I i think if you ask who's buying the art and why to a certain extent you can look at the art itself um i'm i'm not a connoisseur of art but um there are some works that are beginner works let's put it that way across all genres of, of art and that's not to say that they aren't artworks uh but they aren't in my opinion anything like worth the money people are paying for them and that's my perspective on it i'm sure it's fairly widely held um and i i think that very strongly leads me to believe that the people are not buying the art necessarily for art's sake other than the fact that oh they think this is kind of fun and why not because it's an investment and we want to see the price of ethereum go up
3: (laughs) Um, i was gonna say i disagree with that a bit um i see a lot of these collectors buying what they love and you know, art is subjective. And so you may not think my wildlife shot that sold last week is good, but someone else is absolutely in love with it. So I don't, I don't think you can really put that, put that on people. Like a a, a collector can collect anything, right? So he, he is, they are collecting what they love and it may not be our style or we may think, well, I don't agree with composites or that's oversaturated, but art is art. And, and people, you know, tend to move towards what they love
1: yeah art, art is art until you start putting a price on it and if you look at how art has been traditionally priced it's because a, a group of people puts a value on it not the artists themselves out of nowhere and that's what slight you know i, I think is, is slightly unusual i mean i'm not saying that people who are creating art as beginners haven't created brilliant works they may have um i you know I, I understand photography and I see some photographers who are deliberately not selling their best work and still selling it for prices that I've never seen before in any other marketplace. So, you know, those combined things do do make me a bit suspicious.
2: I, I was just going to say that what Alex might be referring to is one-off sales that are on the order of 20 plus Ethereum, which is right now at $50,000, $60,000. Um, and I think that Bryn is referring to her collection, which collections in general in the last, I mean, this all moves so fast, but they're like half an Ethereum or less, right Bryn? Or how, how much were your, were yours priced price yeah. out of curiosity?
3: Uh, mine were 0.5 and that was kind of high, but like a lot of people putting out collections or putting out maybe things they would never, you know, have put out before the NFT space where my collection of wildlife are like a lot of my Favorite wildlife shots, so I did yeah. list them at 0.5 But a lot of them yeah. are in the 0.25 range,
1: 0.3 But that's still exponential. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the semperius. high prices here. Let's say five yeah. Ethereum plus. Yeah.
3: I was just going to see. I, mm. I, I think we see all of it, right? There are some photographers coming in that are are newer to photography and see this happening and feel like they can just list it five ETH because someone else sold it five ETH. I do not think that's makes sense. I, I so like Alex, I would agree with you on on that more type of art. But there are other people who are having those big sales now who did come in the space starting with one of ones, listing them at 0.25, 0.3, 0.5, and work their way up to getting to that five range. And they have put in the work and they have shown that they have value.
2: Yeah, it's it sounds like a lot too if you if you convert it to US dollars, it sounds like a lot. But also if NFTs are indeed the future of selling art, or at least one future of it, um I won't say that it'll replace prints, but if they're here to stay, then selling the only copy of that that will ever exist on the blockchain for like $1,500, I mean, that actually sounds low to me, as opposed to like $50,000. Uh, go on, Alex.
1: Photographs are a, a dime a dozen, unfortunately. Um, I, I mean, I, I think if if you're a very good artist, good at marketing yourself, good at restricting your releases and so on, then you can effectively artificially create that situation where an artwork is is truly unique and and valued as that. And there are certainly artworks that, that achieve that. And you can do that in photography, definitely. But there are a lot of NFTs being sold that are very generic. I wouldn't say that genericism has any relation to whether an artwork can sell or not. And so to me, it seems like they are more commodities and investments uh, as for investment's sake because they're NFTs, not because they are artworks. Uh, so at its very best, I, I agree with you, but I think that that's a minority of cases. Just one, Go ahead, Alex.
2: One more point on that is that uh, you build in But the nature of Ethereum is that you can run code on it. So you can make these sales smart in that they do certain things. Like every time the artwork is resold, the artist gets a 10% royalty forever, which is really great for artists. That's what I should have answered way earlier when you asked about the benefits of this, as opposed to traditional art sales, is that you sell a print for $1,000 and then a collector someday sells it for a million dollars. You don't get any of that. But as an NFT, you'd get a hundred grand back later. Like you're always connected to the secondary market, which is great for an artist. And then I also wanted to say that these lower price collections, uh, relatively lower price, um, do open up more collectors. Like we're not just talking about a few rich dudes uh, when you're sub one Ethereum. Like I know plenty of people, other photographers who have bought from other photographers so i think depending on the price that argument might disintegrate a bit and and depending on who you're talking to whether they value digital ownership
3: i think that's another really cool thing about the community is you actually do see artists supporting artists um which i think has been really fun because the i I think there is a a huge percentage of artists who when they do make a sale they do want to invest in other artists and build other artists up or onboard, you know new people um you know, one thing that we won't have time to discuss is different artists in Cuba and Iran and places that don't, can't get their work out and that are suddenly able to sell. And so you see people making sales and helping onboard people in countries that haven't had the access that we have to sell our work um, in the real world. And, you know, so there's there's some positives there that, that that's not the environmental issue. But um, I, I, I love seeing artists support artists. And when I sold my first in my collection, I went and bought one of my friend's pieces that I love. And it's different than what I take. It's New York City in the snow and it was gorgeous. And I, you know, and, and I picked one up. And, and so I do love that aspect too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I know that I'm kind of picking fights here to a certain degree, but I mean, I do, I do recognize that there are lots of positive things to NFTs. In fact, I think it's an almost ideal, uh, you know, solution to how, digital artists might be able to sell their work. I just think that there's a lot of problems with it at the moment, and I'd like people to delay entering the space. So I don't by any means want to suggest that, you know, everybody selling is a charlatan and, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's easy, it's cheap shot stuff. That clearly isn't the case. I know most people selling will actually be very good people who may have actually considered all the issues in full, but I do think there's a lot of issues at the moment.
0: Kind of going back to the what you brought up earlier, You know, one of the things that I've noticed is that with some notable exceptions like like TJ Thorne, a large percentage of the photography that we see selling for for large sums of money is not what we would largely consider to be of high quality. I know we've covered this, but I think it prompts me to ask a follow-up question, which is um, hopefully, Bryn, you can take this one first. What, what, What then are the keys to success when selling NFTs in that marketplace if it's not based on the quality of the work per se?
3: Okay. I'd like to back up a bit and say, I disagree with that. I think there is some art selling that that I would agree isn't the highest quality, but I think a lot of it is, and it may not be your style or you may not agree with a certain form of editing or composites, but some of my favorite artists are out there selling and I absolutely have admired them for five to 10 years. So I, I think that's kind of a, I mean... I don't know. It feels a bit of a cheap shot at those selling. Like you're, you know, their work's not good. There are a lot of incredible artists who have really great work out there. It's well, a mix. It's an absolute nice mix.
0: Let me just paraphrase or revisit that real quick. I wasn't implying that there aren't good artists selling NFTs. I was just saying there's a lot of bad art that's being sold.
2: And true. I mean, just, it seems cynical to me. Some of it, like, like, just not a lot of thought put into it maybe is how I would critique it is not, not so much like this is good and this is bad, but just like, Oh, this is like very easy to make very similar to things we've seen so many times. And it doesn't seem all that thoughtful like that. I I'd, I'd like for those, for really original and thoughtful work to be what's fetching the highest prices. But also I think it's a very new market. And like these people don't look at photography every day, like we do the collectors necessarily. So they might not recognize, like, like I'm able to see oh that's that iconic location, seen it a thousand times. It might be the first time they've seen it. It might still impact them. So I, who am I to say it's not worth it to them, but yeah, I but totally from, agree. Yeah. That. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I think totally agree kind. with that Alex. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I think you had another part to that question yeah. that I Yeah, no. So,
0: <laughs> well, the question is, um, what are the keys to success when selling NFTs in in the marketplace?
3: I, I'm not one of the most successful sellers, so I'm probably not the one to ask about that. I've had a little bit of success. I have. I don't price things. You know, I mean, I have a couple listed for a little higher, but um, I haven't sold for more than one ETH for something. Um, so I'm probably, you know. Not the best one to ask for that. I, I don't even know how I've had the success I've had, but somehow um, I, I do feel like the way I talk about conservation and the environment and NFTs and my passion for wildlife and that I'm giving 50% of all my sales to environmental orgs. I have, you know, from Friday, I was saying I have $4,000 set aside already for Western Environmental Law Center. I'm sure some of these orgs are going to step away from crypto and not want to be involved. And I completely understand that and support that. But um, I still know there will be places to give back to. Um, I think maybe that's why I've had a little success in in the space. But I am not a high seller in this space by any means. I am pretty low. Uh,
0: Noriega, I know you probably have some thoughts on on this.
2: Well, just I was going to say one of my best friends, TJ sold a collection of a hundred and I watched it happen in real time. I think that for him, the success came from networking. Like he knew a lot of the right people, but also because he was so genuine about his work. Like he really does love all those photographs. And, and at first the collection didn't sell that quickly, but we were in a space, which is like clubhouse an audio chat room on Twitter. And he was explaining to like a hundred plus people what this meant To him and and what photography does for him and how it allows him to basically escape his demons and and reach a place of calm and serenity. And like when he started talking about that and and overcoming alcoholism and and talking about himself as a person and what the photos meant, that's when the pieces started flying off the shelves. And so I think that just being from what I've seen uh, collectors say and people related to like that whole collection that TJ sold. Um, just networking and being really genuine is one way to do it. But you do have to do a lot of networking to even be seen.
0: Mm-hmm. And have a story that collectors um, find compelling.
2: Yeah. And I, I think I do
3: feel like we're seeing a little overboard on that. Not TJ. TJ's was absolutely amazing. I was blown away by that space and everything about him. But I think people saw TJ. And like we all have. A lot of crap in our past I could go into you know a lot of stuff I've had to deal with in counseling and that some significant stuff but I don't really want I don't like TJ's made perfect sense but like I'm starting to see some people try to pull that into their stories that like it, it doesn't feel as genuine, if that makes sense.
1: Welcome to all. That may be where, yeah.
2: <laughs> Isn't that where Alex was going to so, go with okay. his response?
3: Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I that. think, I think being very genuine in the space is very important.
0: I mean, I think that's one of the criticisms that I've heard other people raise about the NFT community in general is that from the outside perspective It doesn't look all that genuine because you see people patting each other on the back over, you know, making a sale or listing an NFT or, and, and it's, it's it's without regard to really anything else other than that they're participating. (laughs) And um, I just, for me to get excited to, uh, Hey, I guess it has to be someone that I have a relationship with and I also appreciate the work. And if, if it's not, then I'm, that's like i'm not just going to congratulate someone for the sake of congratulating them so that i can be quote unquote part of a part of the community if that makes sense
3: yeah cool. i don't i don't think i do that um again i feel like that's the part of the genuine part i'm only supporting retweeting people's work that I, that i really do enjoy
2: i think it's a little overboard at times just like we don't post every time we make a print sale like my, my <laughs> knees aren't my knees aren't literally shaking because I sold a four hundred dollar print, you know, like I it's OK. It's business. It happens. I mean, I'll, I'll,
1: like <laughs> I'll take a slightly more cynical view, which is essentially that Twitter acts as an advertising platform. And the more noise you can make around NFTs, the more people get into it, the more it benefits both the artists and the people with Ethereum. Um, so, so it's, it's the vested interest of everybody involved that more people hear about it and join in. So if you're an artist who wants to sell work, a good way to do that would be to make a lot of noise because then you get more people to join and it just builds this bigger and bigger thing. And and that's personally the way I interpret the way marketing happens on Twitter around NFTs that might be completely wrong, but, um, I, I suspect there's at least an element of that.
0: No, I well, agree. I mean, it, just to be fully transparent, um, I've had lots and lots of people that are I'm either acquainted with or friends with in the landscape photography space who, you know, they've told me, like, I had to unfollow that person. I had to mute that person. Like, I'm getting sick and tired of this. Um, you know, I'm not part of that group and it's just getting old to hear about it. And so I think, I don't know if, people are aware of that or they even care, but that is happening. And I would, I think that's why we do see some of the divisiveness as well as um, people who aren't, you know, it's in-group, out-group stuff. It's pretty, social psychology explains it all, but, you know, those dynamics do occur. And I think if you're on the outside of the group, um, you can feel like you're being left out. I've also seen lots of people make comments like, if you're not in NFTs, you're going to get left behind. You know, it's just very Just negative things like that that puts... Yeah, go ahead, Alex.
2: If if they truly are the future, then you're not going to be left behind because there will be plenty of opportunity to enter later. Uh, That argument just reeks of like, this is a fad and you have to get in now before it dries up. So I think if you really believe in NFTs, you shouldn't be saying things like that because there will be plenty of time because they're going to stick around and evolve and be better. Um,
1: Yeah. But to to, to that point, there are a lot of people obviously speculating around cryptocurrencies in general, and specifically on NFTs at the moment, because it's a very hot topic. And a lot of those people speculating on it are saying that currently supply is outstripping demand. Um, And if you have that kind of speculation, that encourages people to get in before they miss out because now's the chance to make money before the market gets flooded. And uh, I, I think that's very hard for people to ignore. I think that's why people are generally jumping in now, even if they think there are issues, because they're like, well, do you know what? I can't afford to miss out.
3: I was going to say, I definitely think like, especially if we look at just photography NFTs right now, it's getting very oversaturated as as more people jump in who don't want to miss out and everything. I actually think the long-term goal is more collectors and that's going to take time and there's no rush. So, um, you know, I definitely think, you know, yes, I put out a collection. A lot of people put out collections now. So I think there is definitely a bit of FOMO with stuff and I'm not denying like Alex what you're saying at all. But I do think that um, a lot of us see this as, as kind of the future and a long term thing and that there will be more collectors um, and that that's what will make or break the space, really.
0: Well, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, Noriega, but I know we've had some heartfelt conversations about your situation and NFTs and kind of the, you know, the mental space you find yourself in in terms of do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? And I know we talked about you putting out a collection on OpenSea, and I was hoping you could maybe just talk about, like, for you, if you were to have similar success as TJ, what would that look like for you in terms of changing your life? And then what steps would you take to offset that carbon impact? And and why would you do that?
2: you don't mean to put me on the spot talk talk about putting him on the spot
1: (laughs) it's only hundreds of people get it right Alex this is your only chance
2: yeah Um, (laughs) well I have hesitated to do a collection even though I have curated uh, three at at least two very concise collections of uh, probably my strongest subjects and, and I think they would sell I just have hesitated so much not necessarily because of the carbon footprint. I do think of that, but I know that I would offset it with donations. Um, and whether, you know, it takes a certain amount to offset. I mean, the the math on that and the sources, I, I'm still looking into that, like what I would really need to do. Um, but just the backlash that I would receive really has me thinking twice about it because there are people that really just hate this entire thing. They hate everything it's about. Even if the carbon thing wasn't an issue, they would still hate that it's digital. And they they present these uh, false dichotomies like, oh, I'm a print photographer, not an NFT photographer, as if you can't be both. And um, it just... Like there's so much negativity swirling around it in our community. There's so much positivity in the NFT community. And then there's like this overlap where there's like people like TJ who, who managed to ride the line, but I'm sure that he alienated some people just by selling his work. And so that really gives me pause. Uh, do you want to jump in Alex?
1: I do, yeah. I mean, I just to that point, I you know we're artists and we have to own our decisions. That's part of being an artist. And I think you know w- what Bryn is doing is absolutely the right thing. I mean, if you're making nine thousand dollars in sales and setting aside four thousand to offsets and environmental schemes, there's pretty much no question in my mind that you would be having a positive net impact, no matter how that offset money was spent, because that's orders of magnitude greater than the literal offset required to offset the carbon. So anybody who doesn't... Sorry, Bren, you were going to...
3: Oh, no, sorry, I was just going to say after you, I had a super quick additional thing.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I, I just think if you're doing that kind of thing, and you're being very open about it, then let people... Uh, challenge you. I I think to a certain extent, there's not not enough artists putting their head above the parapet on all sorts of issues. We're too afraid of upsetting people because um you know of this online world that we're in now where reputation is everything i've made my profession ruining my reputation online um i i know that you can damage yourself you know i was on this podcast with erin discussing reality and photography some people liked what i said lots of people will have hated what i said and you can bet that on net i probably did some damage to my reputation maybe maybe not who knows but i certainly have said stupid things and whatever if if you're going to upset people, Alex. Upset them. You know, okay, you, you've so. just got just own it. <laughs> I'll let Bryn jump in real quick before Can I, I just go back.
3: Add, yeah, let me just add really quick because it's just on that. I just wanted to say that one of the best things for me that came out of the Twitter space that was held for me when I launched my wildlife collection was I've had 10 to 15 people who are now looking to me as like helping them figure out how to do this with supporting um, conservation causes, and so that was incredibly exciting to me. That all these people started message, messaging me, "Okay, I want to do this too." Okay, I'm going to give 100 percent from this collection. What organizations do you know? Because I do know a lot of you know great conservation organizations, and so that to me was a big positive that came out. Is if there's a way that I can influence more people in the space to give back more because it is a there there it is a lot of money, right? We're not used to this, and and if if we're going to be in this space i i truly believe we should be giving back
1: yeah so you you have your critics you listen to what they say you respond in an emphatic way and ram their own comments down their throats basically and, you know <laughs> what more can you say than that i mean you if if people are doing that there is no argument about the negative effect of NFTs. If you take a completely disproportionate response to offsetting and environmental schemes, because actually, you're if if you're promoting that idea as well, then you can actually have a very very positive effect.
2: Yeah, that's that's all hard to quantify because, say, someone who is visible in the photography community. Um, like TJ has success, he's going to draw in so many more people trying to do the same thing. Yeah, so that, that has is a negative true. effect. But, like, say I were to do a collection, and I mean, with pricing right now, the numbers are insane. Like, if I did a collection of 30 at uh, half an Ethereum, it could work out to like $45,000 uh, with the price of Ethereum right now. And say I gave 5,000, 10,000, like, I, that feels like a huge amount of money to just give away. But if I'm doing it on the back of, of something that is having a negative impact, I would want to offset it somewhat. And, and on that note, there are organizations that do like really good work on the ground, like right now, that are like fighting mining operations or like fighting to preserve our wilderness. That I've been convinced um, are better than these offset companies which are basically just uh, i guess greenwashing i just learned that term and uh and not necessarily doing enough um so i think it depends on how much you give and, and who you're giving it to but yeah that would definitely be a component of it for me to get back to matt's question and and it would change my life in that it would give me more freedom you know enable me to uh go to more remote places and and not worry about workshops so much which is another Um, net positive. If you think about all the clients traveling on jets to come attend a workshop uh, from around the world, things like that. I mean, it's all basically, like we said earlier, it's kind of someone's entire carbon footprint and NFTs right now are being so demonized to the point where I don't even know how you'd go about addressing that. And maybe it is like Alex says, you just have to shove it down their throat (laughs) with,
1: with your response. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I mean, just just on that general carbon comment about how people are supposed to handle this when they're flying and, and so on. I mean, I think my position on NFTs and why I wouldn't do it now is, is a fairly simple one. And that's, I always want to be moving in the right direction. I think we in the Western world are basically now have a moral imperative to start reducing our carbon footprint in a fairly significant way. And I do think if you're doing something Uh, like Bryn, then, you know, it's, it's far more nuanced and, and, you know, you can certainly even justifiable. Uh, But generally, you know, I'm not going to start flying to Patagonia now. I've got, I've got clients who'd like to go to Patagonia with me. I just say, no, I'm not doing the flying, you know? um, So there are extra things that I wouldn't do. And unfortunately NFTs fall into that space, particularly because I know that there is this plan to have them carbon neutral effectively. Um, so, so that, you know, gives me a reason to wait. So that that's all I want to say, really, just that I, I just always want to keep moving in that direction, even though I wouldn't necessarily pass judgment on people who made decisions either way, as long as they owned those decisions.
3: I just want to say really quick, I I, I totally admire you for that, like 100%, you know, and that's I mean, I hope we can, you know, somehow kind of, of get to that place where like those of us in NFT photography aren't hated so much and, and people can see the good we're doing and the reasons we've decided this. And like I said, Matt, I, you know, like when we were talking earlier, I don't know that I'm going to stay in it. I may decide it's not okay and then I'll get out. But um, I just, you know, I just like want Alex, you to know, like I have the utmost respect for that decision and I and I, and I truly agree with it, even though that sounds you know? Yeah. One, one, one,
0: one thing I was going to add to that, not to put words in your mouth, Alex, nail, but I've heard you and probably three or four other photographers say pretty much the same idea. And I've, it resonates a lot with me. And it's in response to what you just said, Bryn, about photographers in the NSP being NFT space being hated. I'm not necessarily sure that's, I mean, I'm sure there's a small percentage of people that just have hate and vitriol. and That's always going to be the case, no matter what space you're in. But, I think, by and large, what I've heard is that it's not so much that people hate NFT photographers; it's that they're not being pragmatic about the about being in the space. You know, kind of like you know having these honest conversations, like we are today, about hey, here's why I'm doing it. Here's the thought process I've put into it. Here's why I think I can ju- how I can justify this activity by doing these activities. Um, so I think um, that is would be a much preferable thing to be seeing more of in this space especially on twitter um i think that's where you're seeing a lot of this pushback if i'm being uh frank and honest i don't know
1: yeah so um i i just thought i'd say you know the the reason i think maybe matt asked me on onto this podcast was because i did post on twitter and i said you know some of my great thing is some of my favorite photographers have suddenly joined twitter terrible thing is you know they're all peddling nfts okay so that that's how that conversation started but i mean it's it's a bit of disappointment actually from me because i i expect um artists to basically be open and discuss these things and have really adult complex um you know admit their faults you know you know admit that you're flying all over the world or whatever it is and and just none of us are perfect and and we never will be but if we don't discuss these things we'll never even get moving in the right direction and it's sort of it just felt a lot like well whitewashing for uh, you know want of a better word the whole space and these are people who i really admired and and that's what i found so difficult and then of course you had people waiting and going oh you know they're selfish all they care about is money and i'm like well no clearly that isn't the case these are really talented artists who really engage in the community who really want to do the right thing and they're excited about the potential of nfts um but yeah the, the conversation has to happen
2: it's just difficult for that conversation to happen with the stigma that's that's around them right now. Like I I love this discussion that we're having, and I uh, responded to something on Twitter earlier today that was just very flippant about NFTs. Trying to have a a real discussion about it, and um, I would love to see that, but I just can't imagine that it's going to happen without just very black and white, good and evil arguments being being thrown in your face. And I, I don't know how to, how to navigate that. Cause I mean, for my mental health, it's, it's really, it's really taxing mm-hmm. to have a lot of negativity coming in. I know, I know a thing or two about that. <laughs> I've said some stupid things on this podcast on the internet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should be the host. You should try that. Um, <laughs> go ahead, Bryn.
3: Um, I was just going to say, I do think there is a potential I to have, discussions, debates in Twitter spaces or in clubhouse that can be respectful because whoever's hosting them has the ability to mute and move anyone to the audience who's not handling it well. Um, So that, that might be a way to move forward is to try to have some of these, these spaces or clubhouse rooms where we discuss this and anyone, you know, and you kind of lay the ground rules and if people aren't going to agree to them, you move them off stage, but then we could have these kind of conversations that are thoughtful you know, and, and like I said, just discussing with you, Matt, before this and, you know, doing this podcast, like I'm thinking through a lot of stuff now. And that's the point. Right.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that's a perfect way to end it. I mean, one of the one just in closing, uh one of the positives of NFTs that I heard you say, Bryn, that I hadn't personally considered um, in the past is that. Um, because of NFTs and people participating in them, they're actually having conversations and thinking about carbon, maybe for the first time in their lives. And so if any, if there's anything we can get out of this is that people are actually even putting thought into that, whereas they didn't previously before. So I think that's, that's a good thing. So uh, Alex, one closing comment.
2: Oh, just that my incredible fear of flying is the reason that I don't and the reason that all my photography is from the U.S. and not international. But now I can just say that I'm offsetting my, my NFT footprint if I decide to go that direction.
3: <laughs> Alex, I have that it's a same fear.
2: Oh, my God, it's terrible. I'm so anxious the entire time. It's horrific.
3: I am, too. I have, I have ways of dealing with it,
1: though. Talk talk to me before you fly, guys. I used to be an aeronautical engineer. I can tell you a lot about aircraft safety.
2: The facts don't matter. It has nothing to do with facts. I don't care how safe it is statistically. It's frightening. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to feel anything. (laughs) I don't want to feel the slightest movement. I don't want to hear any noises. It's terrible. It's It's, still a big
3: metal cylinder that can fall out of the sky, even with all the facts.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well... Uh, I just want to say thank you uh, to the three of you for joining me. I know, um, you know, cooler heads prevail. And I think, you know, this could have easily been a very argumentative uh, podcast, but I think we did a, a really good job of keeping keeping it civil and providing some discourse. And I hopefully that can provide an example for the rest of the community to do the same in, in their spaces.
1: Thanks for having us, Matt. Thanks for having us. Thank yeah, thanks, Matt. Yeah, thanks. Nice to meet you. Bryn. Yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah, it's so
3: nice to meet you guys too.
0: Well, thank you to Bryn, Alex, and Alex for joining me for this fantastic conversation on NFTs. My goal before recording this was to provide listeners with a fair and balanced view of NFTs, including their benefits and downfalls. And thanks to your professionalism and vulnerability, I believe that we accomplished that. I highly encourage you all to follow all three of these amazing photographers on whatever social media application you prefer, and give them a shout out to thank them for sticking their necks out to have this great conversation. Well, before we part ways, I wanted to mention that I am really trying my hardest to keep this podcast as ad-free as possible. I certainly have been considering ads as a way to generate more revenue for the show, which has been mostly flat for the better part of two years now. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be incredibly grateful if you were able to help out in some way. Perhaps you can leave a five-star review on iTunes, or you could help support the show over on Patreon, or like Bree Stockwell, you could help host Clubhouse conversations about uh, the podcast episodes. However you think you could help out, I would be very happy. Thanks for being a part of this great community. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in collaborating with us
3: and listening. See you next week.